Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio with Eli McCann and our special guest, Daniel Spencer. Daniel, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you. This is a special bonus episode of Hive Mind. Daniel was recently on season two of Provo's Most Eligible, and we brought him in today to tell us about his experience there. But first, Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? So i from Harare, Zimbabwe, actually. Uh, grew up, was born and raised there. Pretty much came over to BYU because uh, my dad's American, and he was telling us all about the magical Mormon school that was in the mountains. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, like this is awesome. Yeah. So that was always kind of the expectation was like you'll end up at BYU at some point. And then uh, moved out here, started doing just like random stuff, weird social media stuff, uh, stand-up comedy. And that's kind of what I've gone into a lot now is just, yeah, a lot of comedy, like comedic stuff, basically, memeing doing TikTok. And you've been very successful at it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's a bit crazy, to be honest with you. A a lot of viral videos all of a sudden. And just, yeah, it's been crazy. So we're old. Uh, I don't think either of us have TikTok on our phone. (laughs) Explain to those of us who are older what TikTok is. So TikTok is basically just uh, an app where you make any, you can do anything. It can be longer to up to a minute almost, but you do 15 second videos, just real quick videos, Mm -hmm. kind of like Vine was. Um, but you can actually use sounds and songs and other things that other artists produce and just like recycle them essentially and make different versions of it. I like to do more original content. I do my Jane Austen videos, my Motivational <laughs> Monday videos. I just make – it's just basically like rubbish that I make in my bedroom and then yeah. <laughs> for some reason people like it. So that's fun. And your stand-up comedy, what is that? Uh, stand-up comedy – I actually have done that a little bit longer than I have the social media stuff. Okay. I've been doing that for about uh, three years now. So I started at HumorU, and I've just done – yeah, it's been weird. It's been weird getting paid to do stand-up comedy oh. now, which is also super weird. Not like crazy good, like big gigs, but I'm getting there. And so like the goal is once I graduate in April, go to New York, Amazing. try out stand-up. So. Amazing. And you also cool. had a big announcement a while ago. Yes, yeah, big announcement. A few weeks ago, I came out as gay, and so it was really fun because it was like while the show was still airing as well. Yeah, right. Um, and so yeah, I just came out as gay. I was actually literally just writing a set. I'm doing a comedy show this Friday. <laughs> I was writing a set about like being gay and like coming out as gay. So mm-hmm. that's fun. I'm excited to listen to that <laughs> yeah. if it's available for listening. Um, so we'd like to talk to you about your experience on Provo's Most Eligible, knowing obviously, that you were gay, uh, why you decided to do this, um, and what the experience was like. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I gave, like, the short version of the (laughs) answer and the mental all. Because, honestly, like, what ended up, what happened with uh, getting cast in season two was I was, I did it as a joke, as I said before. I did it as a joke. I was like, hey, let me post it on Provoho Life, my meme account. I'll just see, like, what people think. And I was like, should I do a dating show? Should I be a part of Provo's Most Eligible? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a resounding yes from everyone. Everyone was like, yes, like, do this. Like, it'll be so funny. Mm -hmm. I'll watch the show if you do it. And I was like, okay, well, like, maybe I'll consider it. I'll just put in an application. I knew I was gay at this point for sure. So I was like, well, like, we'll just see what happens. So I I submitted uh, an application and then Remy messaged me, emailed me or whatever, and was like, hey, you've made it to the first interview round. Come in and pick a time. And so I set a time, and that day 
I was like, you know you're gay. Mm -hmm. Don't go to the interview. <laughs> Did you tell them that? No. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, I know I'm gay. I'm not going to do this. Like, yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't be worth it. So uh, I missed the interview on purpose. Um, I actually just went and did like something else. I can't even remember what it was, but uh, I was just busy, and I was like, "There's just no time," and you know that you're not gonna like. There's not uh, no real point to it, basically. Right. And then uh, Remy messaged me after that, and I was like, "I'm so sorry, I missed the interview. Like, good luck with the show." <laughs> like, just trying to peace out essentially. Yeah. And uh, he he messaged me and was like, uh, "It's all good. You can come to the second round of interviews. We really want to see." we can do something or have you on the show. And I was like, okay. And was that because he was familiar with who you were? I think so, yeah. Okay. I think, I, let's be honest, like I think Remy definitely cast a lot of like well-known, at least Provo culture people. You had Keaton, you had James the Mormon, uh, you had Justin Alphabet, you had all these people who had lots and lots of followers. And so I was like, okay, well, he wants to do this, so that's fine. And I was thinking about it, and as I said uh, um, in the mental all, I thought, you know, at, at this point in my life, not like a lot of people know the meme account, but they don't know me as a person mm -hmm. sort of idea. And <laughs> it was interesting because my mindset going into the second interview was like, worst comes to worst, I know Provo culture. <laughs> if I know one thing, it's that not a lot of girls like bigger guys. They don't like the fatter guys, to be honest with you. I was like, I'll probably make it to like the second week and I'll get kicked out. So there mm -hmm. won't be any harm done. Right. Like uh -huh. I was like, it'll be OK. And I was like, and second of all, I can show people that I'm a regular, normal person. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what has kind of been missing a lot in more recently in Mormon culture and in around Provo culture is that there's like people just don't go and look for like positive representations of gay people. They don't. They don't search it out because they really just don't associate with it in so, a lot of ways. So tell me a little bit about this because um, I have been wanting to ask you about this ever since we did the Men Tell All. Yeah. When Meg and I both went to BYU, we both lived in Provo like 185 years ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at the time that I was uh, at BYU, I didn't know anyone who was gay yeah. and out. It has been my impression that in recent years that has changed and that there are a lot of people at BYU who are out and gay. But what you're telling me is it sounds like there's still quite a bit of a bubble. And so I'm curious, do I just have a misunderstanding about what's happening at BYU now? Well, so that's the interesting part. I think there's definitely people who have like come out and are like pretty openly gay. Um, people that come to mind are like Kelvin Burke. Um, mm -hmm. He's just more prominent in general. The thing about it, though, is that Again, I don't think those people have a lot of exposure to it because, uh, well, like the, the normal BYU student doesn't have exposure to it because they're not searching it out, basically. Okay. There's no real— I'm, I'm probably seeing a lot of this because I'm a gay man who has a lot of gay friends who are posting about these kinds of exactly. things yeah. frequently. But if you are a straight person at BYU, you're maybe not encountering that very much. Yeah, and if you are, it's like a distant friend for, who's not a member of the church. You know, you'll have like a friend that, you know, you grew up with maybe or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. But there's no real person like people yeah basically you just have to kind of be within those groups to kind of know who who's gay and who's not gay mm -hmm. um and we've seen a lot of that like change as well you had like uh matt, matt easton you had like charlie bird yeah. all these people but that was after the fact after they left byu who is i know who matt easton is he's the one that gave the speech yeah uh, at graduation who is charlie bird charlie bird's uh cosmo the cougar Oh, okay. Yeah, when he came out. But those were always after they had left the school, right? Wow. And I feel like that's a, like an interesting 
that was kind of why I wanted to do it in a lot of ways, like come out. I was like, there aren't a lot of people, like not a lot of people get to see gay students regularly mm -hmm. or like know that they're a gay student and like see their interactions with people. Okay. And so that was like the goal basically was like, I want to come out. Really, it was just for me mostly. I say like it was for other things, but it was for me. But I realized the effect that it could have if being like prominently on the show for a while, having people reach out and be like very loving and caring. I was like, this is a good opportunity to show people that like there are gay students around you who are just like you. There's nothing different about them. You should treat them just the same that you have, like the same way that you have the whole time. Yeah. And so that was like a big thing for me. I was like, I need to come out now while I'm at BYU so that people know that there are big gay students around them who are, yeah, just like them. It was interesting. So what, what does it mean to come out while you're a BYU student? Because you still have uh, conduct restrictions. Mm -hmm. You're still a BYU student. You're still attending BYU until you said April, right? Yeah. So for for outside of the BYU world, coming out can usually when somebody comes out, it means that they're dating and they're, you know, engaging in kind of this new life. But if you're remaining a BYU student, what does that mean for you? I think for now, it's just basically so that people know who you are as a like who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people know that in BYU culture and in just like church culture in general, it's very common to get the questions of like, who are you dating now? Why yeah. aren't you married? Like yeah. all these other like side questions. And that was a big thing for me because I had a lot of people wanting to set me up with these girls that were their friends. And I wouldn't, you know, I didn't want to do it. I was like, right. this is terrible. So I stopped dating for like two years. Yeah. The past two years, I haven't dated anyone. Yeah. Um, so I completely stopped dating. And... Um, but I kept getting all these questions and all these people and everyone would just think I was a total, just honestly, like everyone was just thought I was a total douchebag the whole time. Mm -hmm. They were like, he doesn't want to date my friend. He's a terrible person. Right. It's like, and it's not that it's that it's obviously that I'm going through something else and I can't tell them that I'm gay. And so that was another big reason why I came out. I was like, I want, I want to, I don't want to keep lying to people. Right. And I don't want people to have a weird perception of me that isn't accurate. I am a good person, right? Like, but you can't change that perception because you can't tell anyone. Right. You can't be honest with people at BYU. I, I had a close friend who was trying to set me up with friends of hers for like two years. And mm -hmm. I did the same thing where I would keep turning it down or whatever. And it got to a point where she was getting really offended by it. Mm -hmm. And internally, I was just like, I so want her to not be offended by this because this has nothing to do with like her bad taste or my you know inability to trust her or whatever else. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest reliefs for me was coming out and not having to worry about all of these assumptions that other people were making. Mm -hmm. Meg and I have talked about how when I, I I came out to Meg a long time ago, but when I came out on the internet, Meg had kind of joked that like, oh, this is a lot easier because now when you come over and pick me up to go to things, my neighbors aren't, I can just tell my neighbors like, oh, that's my gay friend and they don't think <laughs> not, that I'm, not having, I'm having an affair. I'm having an affair <laughs> and I actually had like several friends who said stuff like that. It was just like, it's so much easier for all of my relationships that I'm open, 
um, you know, if it hurts a relationship, then it probably wasn't a relationship worth having. And the ones that it didn't hurt, it just made it so much easier in every case. Yeah. So if you felt that that has been generally your experience, that it's helped your relationships with other people to be out with this. Oh, totally. Like, totally. Like, uh, <laughs> it, well, it's also really fun. I have a really great friend group. I'll be honest with you. Who's just really open. You know, we joke about it often now. And it's really fun to kind of do that. But also, it's like you kind of said, um, it kind of showed me who who the more genuine people were in my life, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people, they haven't been cruel or weird about it. They just stopped talking to me. And, you know, I kind of prefer that that way. You know, mm-hmm. if, like it kind of just shows me like where real friendship lied with a lot of people. What I was shocked by was a lot of the kids from Provost Most Eligible being very okay with it. I was really shocked by it. Well, so it, it took out some of the competition. <laughs> yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you. Did B know? Um, no, she didn't know. Uh, yeah, she didn't know. It was really interesting. Um, I think deep down, she she told me, we've discussed it a lot after the fact. Yeah. She knew that she just wanted to keep me around because she knew I was a good guy and she liked having conversations with me. I think it was just a really good friendship thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I joke about all the time is like it was definitely like me in the friend zone, just like giving advice. Like on my the day I got eliminated, she asked me like, who do I pick? Mm-hmm. And she asked me like what who I decided who I thought she should end up with, right? Yeah. Like that was like our relationship. Even at the end, was like, mm. hey, I think you should go with this person, right? Like that was like the whole dynamic essentially. And so I don't, I, you know, I think deep down she knew that we were just friends, but I don't think she knew that I was gay quite yet. But it wasn't. Uh, how dare you? Why didn't you tell me I was trying to date you on her? Part? Oh no, not at all. Okay. <laughs> she was yeah. She, honestly, because uh, when I came out. Um, the week I came out, okay, I posted the video on Sunday, but I knew I wanted to tell, you know, the closer friends that I had um, uh, before that, just so it wasn't like a big shock. Mm-hmm. The first three people I messaged just uh, out of like uh, kind of I wanted to do it out of respect was B, Keaton and Jake from the show. Okay. I wanted to let them know Keaton and Jake and B I work with in a lot of ways with my social media stuff. And I was cool. like, you know, I want to give them the option. You know, I I don't necessarily agree with the uh, the opinion, but if they don't want to work with me because they feel uncomfortable, like I want to give them that option, right? Like I don't want to force them into a situation that makes them uncomfortable or forces perceptions on them. And so I, I explained that that to them, but they were just totally chill about it. They, I just got tons of messages, not only from them, but from all the other friends I messaged that night too, um, just expressing love and support. And I was like, well, if all of these people are okay with it, I think I'm pretty good to just come out in general. Mm-hmm. So why did that surprise you that the Provo's most eligible kids all were okay with it? Ooh, uh, <laughs> a lot of them are. Some of them were a lot more conservative, if I'm honest. Like, yeah. Uh, I think what was interesting um, was just seeing like the, re- the the more conservative ones. Obviously, like Keaton and Jay can be like a definite, not necessarily like liberal, but they're definitely more open in those mm-hmm. ways. It was people like I'm trying to think of like examples. One of them was Scott. Scott right? Maga hat Scott. <laughs> yeah, Maga hat Scott. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, interesting. But he's been like the nicest person about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I've also what's interesting about people like Scott in those general directions is like I feel like it's opened up some weird, like interesting conversations with people like that because it's finally given them the opportunity to ask a gay person like the questions that they've had. Mm-hmm. about what it's like to be gay at BYU, right. you know? Right. What's well, the it's the Harvey Milk uh effect, you yeah. know. I I have had people tell me that uh 
because I was gay, they didn't really, they weren't close to a gay person before they knew me. And because I was gay, just knowing me completely changed their perception on it. Yeah. And so, yeah, one of the, one of the burdens uh, for people who are gay in a conservative area, a place like BYU specifically, is that kind of feeling that you need to come out and talk to people about it so that they have some exposure to it, so that it will help change their perception, so that they will be better to others down the road. Yeah. And so I, it sounds like that's what you're describing. Yeah. It's like yeah. – and that was like the whole point of like coming out too is uh, – I keep, you know, there were there there were a lot of different reasons why I needed to come up, but the way that I came out was because of that mainly. It's like it finally gives people an opportunity to, I don't know, to simply see someone who they know or they feel like they know. It's definitely parasocial, but it's definitely they feel like they've they know me. They feel that they've seen me on TV now. Right. They understand that, and so and another thing is like they feel like they can contact me. A lot of people have DM'd me about it, and like. <laughs> it was really funny. I've had a lot of – I have a big conservative audience on my meme account. And so a lot of people messaged me and they were like, hey, I don't fully understand that. but I'm so down to just kind of like discuss it with you. I kind of want to understand this a little bit more, you know. And so that was – it was just really cool for me. Like it was like nice to have those conversations and really take the time. You know, I wasn't really concerned with the people that were showing me love and support. I was more concerned about like responding to the people who were like, I don't fully understand it. Help me understand. Yeah. Like those were the cool ones for me. Like, Have you had productive conversations come out of those? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like, <laughs> you know, what's also interesting. A lot of people are like, maybe I'm gay. Ooh. Yeah. I have had a lot of like those kind of conversations okay. where they're like, maybe I am. And I'm like, OK, let's analyze that real quick. <laughs> and I'm like, but it's like for silly reasons. Like I had girls who are like, I like to play like rugby. <laughs> I'm like that doesn't make you gay, honey. Like that is not that is not a gay thing. And so that was what was interesting. But that's what that's what we're dealing with in BYU and Provo is like these weird stereotypes that people attach to sexuality, and they're like, yeah. maybe I'm. And then like that's those are the productive kind of conversations that have happened. Is like that doesn't make you gay. That doesn't make other people gay. But it's just. Like you have to look at like your attraction, who you're attracted to, <laughs> what you like. Do you like do you like girls or the guys? You know, yeah. like that sort of stuff. And so those have been like really good educative, I think, conversations with those types of people. Mm. Good. Yeah. So we didn't bring you in here just to grill you about your sexuality. We do <laughs> want to talk about your time on the show. Yeah. Uh, tell us what it was like. Tell us what filming was like. What was it like meeting B? What was it like meeting the other guys? Yeah. Um, so going into the show, it was really fun. I really liked... <laughs> to be honest with you, I was super busy. I was doing uh, school. I had we were doing a series of comedy shows, um, at, like a just back to back comedy shows. So I was consistently writing, consistently doing work. And spring semester can be like crazy hectic. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Spring piling semester. On. I'm trying, I was like, I'm trying to graduate. Like I need to get this done. <laughs> so I was doing a bunch of classes, and like it was just back to back everything. And so I was like, okay, I just need to. Try and emphasize everything. Twelve credits during spring is like murder sometimes, and I was like, okay. And uh, so I was dealing with all of that, but it was kind of nice to come film. I felt mm. like it. Like sometimes I got like really tired, and I like really didn't want to be there. I was like, can we just get to the rose ceremony? But that was just more towards the beginning when it was like thirty guys, and everyone was trying to interview, and we were there till like ten o'clock at night. Yeah. As more guys got eliminated, we were there for slow, like smaller amounts of time. Everything was getting done quicker. And so that was like good. But like for the – it was interesting because you watch it back and you see all the like weird side comments that people make. 
Like, for instance, like Ben. Like, I had no idea behind the scenes. I never really interacted with Ben, to be honest with you. Like, that wasn't someone that I, like, really talked to a lot. But uh, I looked back at Ben and I was like, huh, this is intriguing because he never really talked about it outside of the... Did he say something about you? He never said anything about me. I'm just saying, like, in general, like, Mm -hmm. you see, like, all the side comments that people pass and, like... Yeah. I don't think I don't think I was offended, like offensive to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I was like I don't think I think people knew that I wasn't like a threat in a lot of ways, oh. um, or people just assumed that you know that they were like it's okay like Daniel's not really like a I wasn't trying like to be honest with you I wasn't trying to get on anyone's bad side you know okay yeah there were strong conversations with that that we had like for instance like Scott and I would talk about politics occasionally here and there you know uh, how was that uh, uh, I'll say pro- who. That's a good question. I mean, we gave, I gave Scott a hard time in my recaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he was wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Yeah, yeah, yes, and like exactly. I feel like he was baiting yeah. everybody. Yeah. I, I wonder if he was less bombastic in actual conversation. And that's the kind of vibe that I got from a lot of stuff. I think he's just genuine genuinely curious. I think Scott I think there was a lot of guys who came on the show to be showy, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. They wanted to present a, pres- a particular type of persona. You had the Scots, the Ben all these other guys yeah. who definitely were putting on a show and you can tell they were putting on a show in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Um, I think that just made it and kind of interesting in general when you look back at the footage well, for the interactions with the girls because like it translates into a weird like read as an audience mm-hmm. because you're like, okay, well, like does that mean they don't look like they're very genuine with the person that they're with right now, you know? And mm-hmm. that was where the concern was because you don't get to see that when you're filming. Yeah. You just know what you say to be and you know what you say, like, say, in group conversations between filming, but there's no real, like, you don't get to see, like, the connections that are being made or right. like, what's happening in between the scenes. So so what were you surprised by watching it back? Um, honestly, Walker winning. <laughs> um, I Same. Said, I said, uh, I told B before I left, I said, you need to pick Keaton. She was like, who should I pick? And I was like, Keaton. Mm-hmm. I think Keaton genuinely likes you. And she was like, but I'm not sure. And I was like... I'm pretty sure because Keaton was my ride for most of the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we used to just ride together, carpool together. And I think he would tell me a lot of things that he was feeling yeah. more so. But I don't know if he necessarily like you watch the footage. And I think he was pretty honest with me, but maybe just didn't express as much of that to her as he expressed to me, you know, Um so why then why, it, it may be that maybe you just answered that. But why do you think she picked Walker then? I think it's because, if I'm honest, I think B has particular love languages that Walker met that Keaton didn't, right? Mm. Um, observing Walker's relationship with B uh, on the side, um, he was very touchy-feely with her. He was very, like, you know, a lot of words of affirmation, like, you're beautiful, you look amazing. And Keaton did the same thing, but just not at the same mm. level, essentially. Like, he wasn't, it wasn't quite as much, you know? Because I think Keaton, like he said in the show, he said it to himself. He's like, I keep it at a safe distance, right? Like, he's like, I don't want people to feel too, like I'm I'm piling too much on them. And so I end up holding back a lot of like the emotions or feelings. And mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of, a lot of the guys went through. And I think Walker similarly maybe felt like he did that too much as well. He was like, maybe I should have held back a little bit more, mm. you know? Um, and so that was like what was interesting for me. That was a big shock for me because I actually didn't know. I just kind of left the show alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got eliminated and I was like, cool, whatever. I'm going to yeah. do my summer work. So I, I ended up just doing a bunch of stuff. And then school started. And that's when I saw Jake outside. I was at the Brim Hall building at BYU. And Jake was there. And he told me, like, the outcome of everything. 
told mm. me all the winners. He was like, I won and Scott won. And I was like, that's not shocking. And then he was like, and Walker won. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, this is, that's not what I was expecting. But uh, okay. So, are, you, are you surprised by what happened in the immediate aftermath? Uh, what do you mean by it was that? A complete ghosting <laughs> on oh, Walker's part. That yeah. So this is the this is the interesting thing for me. It's like it's because I've, I've talked about it a lot with a lot of people. Um, I didn't love it to be honest with you. I'm a good friend with B, and I supported B entirely, and I felt really bad for her after the fact. Yeah, it was like to be treated that way mm-hmm. the whole show, to be telling her one thing and then treating her the other way. It's like it's very different. But I think there was some truth in what his, Walker's mom said in the final episode. Like, they're very different kind of people if you observe it that way. So what's interesting about that is I think that both Eli and I read that moment as kind of sexist. Yeah. Um, because it would it would not be weird for someone to say to B, he has a good job, he's a good catch, where it was the reverse. It was like, you know what? She's settled in career. You don't know where you're going yet because yeah. he's a man. Yeah. Are we I, missing context there? <sighs> To be honest with you, I well, that's the thing. I will read it. I read it in a slightly different way. I do understand that perspective for sure. Yeah. For me, how I see it is like, for me, or how I read it was like, B is a strong, independent woman, and you are not. You haven't figured out life yet. Essentially, okay. That's how I see it, and that's it. fair. From like a motherly perspective, you know where your kids at, right? Like, yeah. I don't necessarily know Walker's mom, so maybe she was meaning it like a. She's got a job and like you want to be able to. Yeah. Well, but I, I think what Meg is saying is that even the way you couched it, if the situation was reversed and it was like a woman, a young woman who hadn't figured out anything about what she wanted in her life, but she found a guy who was like stable and sure of himself, we wouldn't be having that same advice given. That's true. We might. I don't, I don't know. It, it, the initial read was like, this is yeah. a little gross and weird, yeah. but he did seem very young yeah. well, and, and that's what... very fresh off a mission. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, I think he's just, you know, a lot of the guys who were younger had a lot of that, like, energy on set. Mm -hmm. There were the older guys who kind of, you know, people know what they want and they know what they're looking for in a lot of ways. I think about the older guys like uh, Matt Santos and that sort of stuff on on set. They kind of know what they're looking for in a person. And so, and I think that's what B was trying to find in Walker was a more sure a more sure, like a person who's more sure of himself. Yeah. Right. And he presented that way for the longest time, but in that final episode, was suddenly like, mm-hmm. "Well, maybe I don't have everything figured out." And I was like, "No, you don't have everything figured <laughs> yeah. out." You know. Right. And yeah. so that for that that was an, another reason why I encouraged it with like Keaton. I was like, I feel like Keaton kind of maybe knows himself a little bit more, and you like someone like Walker and a lot of these other RMs who are like. more fresh off the mission they need time to figure out that then you know this is the issue for me is like a lot of the cultures like you need to have for instance if you're a guy you need to find a girl who doesn't want a job and doesn't want like she just wants to be a mother and she just wants to be in the home and if for the girls on the opposite side is that you need to find a guy who's going to have a stable job but a particularly uh like a business kind of job not like a like I'm a comms major. So many comms majors get rejected because they're not quite – it's not quite a business job, right? You're not like, going to be a doctor. Yeah. It's like – it's so weird to see like the people who are so picky in our culture. But I think as people progress throughout BYU, that's when you start to see – and that's why we're seeing like a, a, a lower marriage rate at BYU too is because people are understanding that like you need to kind of 
have time to understand what you want and what you like mm-hmm. out of like your perspective from your perspective. And so like that's why I say like I think a lot of the RMs on the show hadn't quite figured out what they wanted, whereas B was like a strong you know, she's just amazing. Self-assured. Yeah, she knows what she wants yeah. out of life. And I think that's what she wanted from Walker, but Walker couldn't give it to her, mm. you know? Interesting. So that was why I was like, I was a little bit shocked by the decision in that way. Yeah. So season one of Provo's Most Eligible, mm-hmm. did you watch it? <laughs> Honestly, I only watched bits and pieces here and there. It was it was. The cringiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I watched episodes now, and I can honestly say, like, I've watched back, but when I first did the show, I had no idea what was happening. Did you, how self aware was everyone involved that people were watching this to kind of watch it like jaw agape? I can't believe what I'm watching. Um, well, that's why I say I feel like a lot of people came on to, like, show off or, like, okay. be a little more over the top. Play a role. It's a little, a bit, role, a little yeah. bit of a circus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those people are, like, genuinely – like, you think about Scott. Scott's a very char- charismatic kind of guy. He yeah. goes into, like, these things. He is that way naturally, but it's more so on camera. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the, like, relationships – I mean, like, it is a reality TV show. Obviously, yeah. the producers and the people that are running the show are going to encourage – a little bit more of that behavior. Like I think about my role when I was on camera. Um, I did this on purpose. I'll be honest with you. They would always tell me like little bits of information or like gossip mm-hmm. around the set. Mm-hmm. And they were like, so we heard that so-and-so, like a uh, Walker kissed B. Like, <laughs> do you want to like explain it that way? And they were like, do you want to act like it's gossip? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like it wasn't like a big shock to me, but I was like, okay. I was like, I heard, and that was like my thing was like, I don't know, to be the gay gossiping. Guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, did you hear? Yeah. <laughs> that was like the biggest. That was like the thing. For, I guess like my role to play is kind of just like spilling tea about like yeah. weird bits of information that were happening around the set, and so. Yeah, there was just different roles to play for a lot of people, and a lot of people like kind of filled those roles in different ways. Okay, I also think that I. To be honest with you, I think I was kept on a lot of the time. I asked B after the fact. I was like, did you guys just like, like, did Remy tell you to keep me on? Yeah. Because I knew he had some influence in a lot of ways of being like, we want to keep this guy because he's entertaining and we want to keep this person. So I asked her, I was like, is that, was that the case for me? Like, did you just keep me on because of that? And she was like, I apparently, from what I understand in the first week, uh, Remy was like, we want to keep Daniel on. Mm -hmm. He's a well-known guy and Mm -hmm. he's funny. And so she kept me on the first week. But then she told me, she was like, after that, I just really liked having conversations with you. And I liked having you around. Like, it mm-hmm. just made me feel more confident about stuff. And so I really appreciated that from B as well. I was yeah. like, it's nice to know that I wasn't just being kept on as like the random funny fat guy. To just yeah. being like Compliment. diversity, right? Chubby but you diversity. really you really were the bright spot of the show Thank for you. sure. Every time you were on screen, it was like, oh, good. I can like relax. <laughs> Daniel's here. Thank no you. one's going to do anything that's like going to make my eyes fall out of my it was, head. It was about the only positive thing Meg said. <laughs> so to go back to, to Meg's question a little bit, because I want to explore this a little bit more with you. Meg and I are always trying to figure out how much of the how much the people are in on the joke within the show. Mm-hmm. When we um, watched the first season and recapped it, we you know joked about the show and made fun of it a lot. And we were really impressed with how good of a sense of humor Remington had about the things we were saying about the show. Yeah, and you know he he he's just been lovely. We we really really like Remington. Well, a lot. when he and, asked us to do the mental all this yeah. season, I was like, Are you sure? Yeah, like, <laughs> and and the fact that he can kind of 
laugh at it is really impressive. Yeah. Um, and but I can never figure out. There's on some level I think he's serious about the show, and on on another level he thinks that the show is is a, you can make fun of it, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and he realizes that it's kind of absurd on some level too. And I just don't know where that line is. Yeah. And so I think it, I, I think Meg, you were what you were getting at, and and it was we we are always so curious about the people, the other people on the show, where that line is for them. Yeah. So are there people on the show who are just like, this is serious business, we are finding love? And are there people on the show who are like, this is a complete joke, I'm doing this because it's hilarious, and are there people in between that? And I, it's so hard to tell from well, just Well, and I will it. say that there is a huge improvement between season yes. one and season two in yeah. production quality. Yeah, production. It's yeah. still very cringy, partly because I dated in Provo and yeah. it's like reliving my dating. <laughs> right. But yeah, that is, that's a very interesting question. Yeah, I think, well, uh, so if I'm honest, I think that's what everyone, everyone took it as a joke the first night. Everyone was just like, this will just be a fun experience and this yeah. will just be, um, this will just be something that like we do on the side, like it'll be fun. It'll be a good experience. Um, and then what happened is in the second week when Jake switched teams, mm. I think Jake and Josue switched teams, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it suddenly clicked that it was a little bit more serious because those were genuine decisions made by those people, right? Like yeah. Remy had no <laughs> no influence in those situations. Um, and I think that was where – that was kind of the turning point for a lot of people where they were like, okay – Maybe this is a thing about finding love. And that's when you started seeing like the, you know, the Austin and Lauren relationship develop and like all those interesting things happening is people started taking it more seriously the longer that they were in the show. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a joke. And they would act like it was a joke and be like, oh, it's still a joke, kind of. And I was like, no, you're definitely into her. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's three cute girls, right? Yeah, exactly. Who, who wouldn't want a relationship with yeah, any of exactly. them. Yeah. And that was like that was like the big thing was just it was like. It was interesting to see the change over time from it's just a joke and we're just all friends to, oh, no, I don't like that person. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I don't like yeah. I don't like the way he's looking at her. Like, yeah. it, was like, it was funny to watch the guys go from lovey-dovey to like a little bit offended that, you know, B had kissed someone else. Can, or that, you, yeah. can you tell us about the beefs? Um, well, I don't necessarily if I will go into a lot of detail. But what I can tell you is that a lot of like a lot of it came from – for me, the ones that I observed, um, I think Keaton played it up a little bit more for the camera, like the Walker and his beef. Sure. It wasn't really like that serious. Okay. But I think towards the end of the show, it became kind of not necessarily like a um, I'm not not there was no animosity between the two of them. I think it was just a worry of like, who's she going to pick? Yeah. Right. Like who has more of an upper hand at this point? Yeah. Um, and that's where that started coming from. So a lot of the beefs were not like real, real beefs. I think a lot of it was just stress. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be the one that they pick yeah. because I think I'm actually having feelings. Like I think about like Austin and Lauren's one where they where he switched teams. That was a very real moment all of a sudden. You know, B was uh, B was on the verge of tears on set. And like Keaton and I just sat with her for like. I want to say like 30 minutes before we started filming yeah. again, before we did any of the interviews, we just went to the back of the karaoke spot and like just like chilled with her, let her talk out her feelings, you know. Because she had hurt feelings over she, it. Yeah, hurt feelings. Like she was, well, she, you know, I'll say this about like B's experience. She definitely had uh, 
a bad time. With she a lot of, like, she definitely went through the ringer more than the other yeah, two. Yeah, like emotionally, right? Like it does. It's never a good feeling when other guys are just like, "Well, I don't like you anymore. I'm going to go to this other person." Not necessarily, I don't like you, but like, oh, I prefer this girl. She's more my type, mm. right? Like, <laughs> and I have a lot of things that I want to say about that because I feel like. You know, I feel like Ellie and Lauren are very strong-willed in and of themselves, um, especially after the show, right? Um, I feel like maybe Ellie didn't get that much representation in that, but I think that was just because she knew she wanted Scott the whole time, right? Sure. She she wasn't trying to put on a show for that in that regard. But, like, B was a lot more strong-willed and a lot more, like, open with her feelings. Yeah. And I think that scared a lot of the guys, right? Like— it was weird to see how the switches happened. And I felt bad for her the whole time because I think she blamed herself. She was like, maybe I'm too too much. Maybe I'm too open. And it's like, no, you you are amazing. Like, yeah. how, how, I was honestly shocked. I was like, how are all these guys being like, well, maybe B's not the one that I want. Mm. But I think also that what comes into play in that way is they kind of saw that Walker and Keaton were going to be the end result of B's team anyway. And so they jumped ship before they, like, for instance, like Jake at the beginning. He knew at the beginning, like, oh, there's a lot more competition here. Maybe on Lawrence's team, I'll have more success in that way. Okay. And I can't. you can't blame someone for being like, hey, I don't want to stay here if I know I'm going to lose out on this situation. If I want to find love, I need to go and maybe see my other options, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the kind of what makes the show cringy is because that's what Provo's about in general. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people jumping from person to person, yeah. not really giving them a <laughs> chance at love and like not really like taking the time to develop a relationship more than just like, oh, we've been on two dates and I don't like you. I think I'm going to try this other person around the corner. And it's like, right. no, like just try and stick it out maybe. I don't know. Like I, it was just a little bit frustrating. But that's why you like the show. You like it because it's. It's an accurate representation of what dating is like in Provo. It's everything that you go through when you're dating. And so, yeah, it is interesting. It's interesting to see all the dating dynamics, and that's wild. Well, I look forward to reliving that dating experience season after season. (laughs) Here on out. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us for thank this conversation. Thank you so much. That was great. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, remember, read us a good, leave us a good rating and review on wherever you're listening to this podcast, and we will see you later. Bye.